you try to identify the patterns, the patterns will usually be your values. Your values will inexplicably take you to your why. I think a lot of times we focus the conversation from an incorrect angle of who do I want to be? And I think we should be focusing the conversation of like, how do I want to feel? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivate it in their everyday, whether it be through career, relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us, which is what I like to call our active ingredient, so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront, and live the lives that we were intended to. Hello, welcome back to another active ingredient episode. I am so excited to have another guest back to back on the on the podcast. This episode, this is one that I'm going to listen to several times over. I left this recording buzzing, like literally on cloud nine. I, I I really just, I have nothing but incredible things to say about this. And like, you know, as a host, you don't want to be too like, I'm obsessed with you. But like, to be honest, I just really was like, holy shit, this conversation is just so powerful. And, you know, I felt this from him as like, and I'll get to how I know him, but I felt this from him for a while but to actually speak with him for an hour and understand his story a little bit more only confirms and like magnifies how I already saw him. So this week's episode is with Raul Jimenez, who is a Miami-based SoulCycle instructor, AKA my absolute favorite instructor for SoulCycle, full stop. And he's also recently a trainer at Camps Fit, which I actually haven't tried out yet. It's a new endeavor for him. And, you know, if Raul is teaching it, you better believe that I will be there very, very soon. So prior to his career in the fitness industry, Raul was actually on track to become a professional clarinetist. And we get into his whole journey on parting ways with an old dream and pursuing something that felt more in line with his current interests. On this episode, we talk about always choosing to be honest with yourself above all else, identifying the difference between resistance and truly knowing when you've had enough the importance of staying curious and questioning the status quo, understanding that our interests and active ingredients evolve as we evolve as humans, making time for silence to nurture the relationship with yourself to really understand what it is that your gut is trying to tell you, always going back to the why behind anything that you're doing in life. And lastly, we get into reframing the question of who you wanna be in five years to how do you wanna feel in this life? So. With that context of what this conversation is, you can only imagine how incredible this episode is. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Please reach out with any feedback or any comments that you have on it. So with that, welcome Raul to the show. Thank you. 
thank you so much for being here. I cannot tell you how excited I am and my sister and my boyfriend and literally everyone that we do the 6.30 a.m. with. I can't tell you how excited we all are to just hear your story and understand more about how you became who you are because your energy is unmatched and I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast. So thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me and I'm just, I, I'm super excited to just chat with you and Same. just be here. Same. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I always kick off every podcast asking the guest what they were like as a kid, um, what you remember or what your family members said that you were like as a kid. And just like curiously, like, is that something that you're like today? Like, what are the character traits? And if any, are they like what you are today? Um, oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think as a kid, I would say I was definitely very curious, um, in many senses of the word. Like, I just like always wanted to know more. I always wanted to... I don't know. Like I was, I'm very curious, like, um, very curious in a playful way, very curious in a serious way. I was very scared of, I don't know where this came from, but I was very <laughs> scared of breaking rules. Um, so like I was very much like the straight A student, like the, my, it would drive my dad insane. Cause if I had any, like, in or any, any like confrontation with a, with a kid and I did nothing about it. My dad, the Cuban dad would like go crazy. He's like, what? I'm oh like, wait. So you're a Cuban dad and Venezuelan and mom. And Venezuelan mom. Yeah. That's and I was literally born in what, Venezuela. I, what I am. Cuban oh God, dad, Venezuelan. I, I can't believe wild. it. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, so it would drive him crazy, but I was just always very like, just like by the book. Um, and so, I don't know. I think it, it really shaped a lot of how, I don't know. I view things now. I, I definitely like, obviously like, feel a responsibility toward my jobs and all these things. But I think it also made me question more and made me, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't say push back a little bit more, but be able to think critically on my own and push back a little and think a little bit more bigger picture on like, why am I making the decisions that I'm making? Am I doing them because someone somewhere, some sometime told me that that's what I need to be doing? Or is it because it actually aligns with like who I am and what I want to do and be? Do you, do you remember like, the distinction or like that point where you were able to like recognize that and be like, okay, now I can actually question this. Cause I do think it's a muscle. I think that we're obviously so conditioned and it's like a societal thing too, you know, like questioning marriage or questioning like the way that, you know, certain structures are formed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're a little bit older now, but I'm curious if you remember at what point in your, in your lifetime that you started to kind of like awaken to those questions and, and be okay and comfortable and continuing to go down that path of curiosity. I think I would say, I, I think a lot of things started to shift for me when I moved for college, when I, so I left Miami at the age of 18, moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, went to the university of Michigan. I was there for five years. Um, and I think those first couple of years were really the time when things just started to like shift for me mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like um, it was the first time that I was just like living as an openly gay man. And like, it was like not really a, a question, which I, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was, but I wasn't down here. That's a separate issue. <laughs> that's a separate, yeah. issue, separate story. Um, it was the first time that I was like, not the majority in a room. Like I was looking around and I'm like, yeah, I'm in a very diverse campus, but how do I fit into this? It was the first time that I was, uh, so I'm a classically trained clarinetist. I went to uh, undergrad for music. I went to undergrad Excuse and grad me. school for music. Yes, yes, Excuse yes. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> yep. Uh, music has always been- I clearly been... did not do enough research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classically <laughs> trained clarinetist. Uh, oh my God. I keep saying 18 years, but I think it's been longer. Um, and so it was just kind of the path that like the music thing, like all these, go to college, study music. Like these were all kind of just things that I was like, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. And it, the plan gets you a job and the job gets you money and money gets you happiness. Like it was just like laid out. Um, 
And then you're like doing the thing that you thought you loved for hours a day. Like I'm talking about like eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, hold on. This used to be fun. Now it has to be like perfect. What does that look like? How does this feel? And that's just one example of like how you, you, you just start questioning a little bit more. Um, and that's when I, I really started just taking steps back and oh gosh, the question of like, what do I want? What, what do, what I love? Like every, I guess like personal development conversation was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm like, I do not know. I don't know where I see myself today. And <laughs> then I'm, I don't know where, where am I? I don't know what I'm sitting. having for lunch. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, um, That's like one of the biggest topics with this podcast mm-hmm. is that there's so much pressure to like have this one thing that is like what you identify with for forever. And, you know, for a period of your life, it could have been the clarinet. And that's totally what identified you for, you know, a certain period of time. But as we evolve as humans, the interest changes. When you have new information, you can shift your priorities and change the tra- trajectory of your life. And I I mean, the conversation about college and making people choose what they're going to do forever in that freshman year when you're literally a fetus, like, I don't understand how that is like what the norm is. And I question that all the time. There are certain careers. I literally had this conversation with my family last night. I talk about it all the time. Like, it's just so much pressure to know at every stage, like, why is that? Why do you think that that's the thing? Like, why does so many, why is that, why does that pressure exist in the first place? I think we, and I think about this on so many different, like, I guess like human topics, but I think we feel the need to make things black and white to make them make sense in our head. And when they don't fit into some sort of box, when they can't be easily categorized or labeled, it makes us so unbelievably uncomfortable. But I think what we miss out on is the fact that I think one of the most beautiful things about human beings is that we have the ability to be so dynamic. Um, Every day is just like comprised of a bunch of different moments. And I, I am not who I was yesterday and I'm definitely not who I will be tomorrow. But I think if we like... We're not learned to embrace that. We're learned to figure it out, fall under a label, fall under a category, and create that five-year plan, that 10-year plan, that 20-year plan. Um, Which it, makes it almost impossible to break that box, mm-hmm. especially it, if you've like been in it for, let's say, even two years. Yeah. Like You're doing something for two years and you have that label for two years. It's impossible to just break out of it completely if you've found comfort in it. You know. And I think from, a, from like thinking from a professional standpoint, from like a career standpoint, we're taught more to create the story on the resume of like the skills and what we've done versus tell the story of how things have shaped us as humans and bring us back to like our why. I think like the why is, is it for me so important and it's, it's ever changing. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. it has been for me, but I, I mean, it's just, it's just the, it's, it's, I, I, sometimes I think it's the nature of the beast. It's like your why might not necessarily like, line up with corporate America. Your why and why might not necessarily mm-hmm. line up with like profit. Um, but I think I, part of my weird uh, long career story, however we want to call it, was I also worked for Lululemon. And that was the first time that I worked for a company where I felt like people, people matter. And people, if your people are taken care of and if your people are happy, everything else, also known as the numbers, will fall into place. Um, and I always made the joke. I'm like, I, I don't know if it's because they're a Canadian company or what it is, but I feel like they really- I mean, 100%, like, 100% it's because it's a Canadian like, company and they're like kind humans. Like, How do they breed them there that they're like all- <laughs> They're all kind and they lead with their heart. How, like, how can we infuse that? Can we trickle that down to the U S please? Like, I totally, totally agree. I had this conversation with my team. I was like, I I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me why anyone would treat their team poorly. 
you're, if you want the end result to be X, like start with your team and treat, treat them like humans. So that, that makes total sense to me. So I want to go back to you trying to like figure it out in college. You were going down this path. You thought you were going to be a, cl- a clarinet. How, how would you say that? You were going to be a professional clarinetist, clarinetist, um, and started questioning it. So what was that path like at what, what year were you when you were like, I don't know if this is the path that I want to go on, or did you start working in that after you graduated? So I, um, so I did five years of undergrad. I like halfway through, I was like, I, I, let's do a double major. Cause why not? Right. Like, let's just do a double <laughs> major. We're all, and my logic back then was like, you're already here. So like take advantage, which like, honestly, I'm glad I did. Like yeah. my time at Michigan was fantastic. And like, I, I, I won't, I, whatever. I'm very grateful great. for that. Um, I would say about halfway through though, like right when I was like, let's do a double major. That's when I, I started having questions and I will be, I mean, being completely transparent, I think a lot of the questions come from the fact that you go from wherever your local community is, usually being at the top, and all of a sudden you're with all of the best from across the country. Like, it makes you realize how incredibly competitive it is and how few jobs there really are. So they're they're just like little reality checks that make you question, like, is this really what you want to do? For me, it was never about, do I love music? It was just always about how much do I love music? And am I willing to do this thing for 12 hours a day, every day of my life, in many ways, kind of like in isolation, because you spend your time in a practice room doing the thing. Mm -hmm. You go, you do the performance, you get your feedback, you go from there. Like that's just kind of, it, it turns into a repetitive cycle, kind of tying things. I'm, I was also going through this period of like, We'll call it self-discovery where I'm like <laughs> trying to meet people and like trying to just like learn about myself and learn about others and learn about like, so the isolation and also the like trying to learn more by connecting with others was just like indirect clash. Like it was mm-hmm. just indirect conflict. Um, I graduated Michigan in 2014. I actually, I was like super burnt out. I had applied to grad school for music but actually, um, I, the offers that I got, I deferred. One of them was here at the University of Miami. So I deferred it, and I actually was working for a program through the University of Michigan, but through AmeriCorps as well. And it was in a tiny, tiny town in Michigan called Holland, Michigan. I will never forget it. <laughs> I loved it so much, but it was the smallest place, most conservative place I had ever been. So it was, it was, a, it was a learning experience. Um, but while I was there, I was working at a high school with like underrepresented minorities just on creating a post-secondary plan. It wasn't necessarily like creating a college plan. It was just like, what's going to work for you? For some of them, they were, they really wanted to, they were very passionate about going into the military. For some of them, they were very passionate about going into trade school. For some of them, they were very passionate about going to college. Um, so kind of figuring out what that plan looked like, a lot of them, some of them um, were undocumented. So figuring out what that could look like so that you can still get that education, mm-hmm. do all these things. It was a fantastic year, fantastic work. It's wild to think that those students have now graduated college. I'm like, ah, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, but it was it was fantastic. But by the end of it, I was like, I miss the stage. I miss performing. I need to go back. I also wanted to come back to Miami because I just wanted to be closer to my family. Like, yeah. It again, part of that like rediscovery is like some of the things that you used to hate about being home, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I miss that. And I appreciate that. And I need that because mm-hmm. I also understand that that's not going to last forever. Totally. Um, so I, back I came and I did my two years of graduate school at the university of Miami in clarinet performance. Um, and again, had another like 
breaking point with the instrument. And I think that was the moment where I was like, we're, we're going to take a step away. Um, before we get into this like next thing, I'm curious how your check-ins go. Like what, what do your check-ins look like when you're, you know, reassessing how you want to move forward or like you're, you recognize that you miss your family and potentially want to move back to Miami. What do those check-ins look like? Are you like a quick, you know, decision maker and you think about it for one second and then the next, you know, week you're back in Miami or is there like a process that you go through? What, what does that look like? Um, it's a little bit of a combination of both. I would say I, don't dwell once I feel something in my bones. Like if I truly feel something in my bones, like it, it, we're going to figure that out because I, I just truly believe in that. Um, you know, when you feel like you're in the wrong place, you know, when you feel like you need something. Um, sometimes I think we try to rationalize that too much and we lose opportunities. Um, but that is also something that I think that not everyone is so in tune with themselves that they can recognize the difference between just, you know, noise in your head versus a true, you know, gut feeling alignment with your inner voice. Like there is a difference and there, there is, there are things that you can do to get there. You know, that I, I think that's, I mean, yeah, that's super, super fair. And I think for me at that point, it was, um, so once I was deciding to come, to come back to Miami, I think for me, like my mom had had cancer at that point. Like it, it I, I truly just missed my parents, yeah. missed my family, um, missed my friends. Like I still had a lot of friends down here. Um, it was never, it was interesting because I, I, when I have these check-ins, I always ask myself, is it this other thing? So for example, with coming home, was it, is it the comfort of being home? And I was always very clear that it wouldn't be that because at first, like I was going to be living at home at first. Like, I mean, I hadn't lived at home for six years now. For um, anyone that thinks that that's comfortable. It's, it's uh, girl, I know it's, it's tough and yeah. it's tough and it's tough for both parties, right? Like it's tough for you coming back and it's, it's tough for your family. Like yeah. you're not the 18 year old you were when you, when you left, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it, I just felt very strongly about it. And then I think for, for me, from there, it goes into like planning. I'm not a planner, which is very interesting. But when it comes to these things, I always like to, I, I like to lay it out so that when I present it, say to my family or now to like my partner or whatever it is, I have answers to any possible objections, any possible, like, have you thought of? Yes, I have. And this is what it's going to look like. And I think for me at that point, honestly, like the... I won't say the safety cushion because it, it wasn't that like I, I was truly ready to go back to school, but I was coming back to a full scholarship at the university of Miami. So like, it just, it wasn't like, I was just like, I'm coming home, figure it out, yeah. make my bed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like there was a plan and, and I truly did miss performing. Like I missed music. I missed being on a stage. I missed that, that adrenaline. That's like an adrenaline that like for any performers out there who are listening, like you can't really explain it. Like that rush of like, getting ready for a performance, going on stage, like the applause, it sounds so like self-centered. No. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? So I don't work in anything in that. And I think that there's something in me that calls me because I was a dancer growing up. Uh And like, I, not that I know that exact feeling because I, it was when I was a kid, but a little bit I do. And like, when you're seeing it, I feel something. So I, I, I'm not a performer, but I totally hear you. And it's, it's funny. This is like a quick little tangent, but I think it's like the thing that we love, I, I mean, I think a lot of people enjoy watching like concert documentaries, like Taylor Swift behind st- back, backstage, ducked, ready totally. to like come out and the lights and, and it's that. The adrenaline. team praying together, <laughs> the everyone's silent, like the, the, you know, backup dancers are stretching and it's That's, this, uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, like that, I was, I, I missed a lot of that and I, I, I want to go back. 
Okay. Well, first of all, we have a very kind of like similar ish, except I'm not a clarinetist, but <laughs> is that how you say it? Clar- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because this happens to me a lot whenever I have these like moments where I'm checking in with myself and I'm questioning something, um, whether it's resistance or if it's genuinely what I want. And I think I have like a pretty good relationship with myself and I know how to under, like understand, but that specific question, sometimes I'm like, do I really not want to do this? Or is it that I'm resisting something hard or, you know, like I, that's the one question that I, I, I still, I have to grapple with and I work towards. Do you have any advice for anyone else that that may resonate with? Oh boy. Um, advice. I don't know. And I asked I will... because in class you're literally like it's resistance move <laughs> through it anyway. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. Um, I hate when my classes come back to bite me. In the, in the butt. Um, no, I, I don't know that I would call it advice, but I guess from like my experience and I like smile because gosh, especially going through 2020, like so much of it was a conversation about like, are you just kind of, for lack of a better phrase, punking out on like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have found myself historically in my 30 years of life, asking myself this about relationships, friendships, jobs, school. Um, I think there's something to be said about like trucking through the resistance, but I think that's where I think the self-awareness needs to come into play. And if something is just genuinely making you unhappy, why are you doing it? And that's, that's where it's like, you can you can talk yourself through it for a little bit just to make sure that it's like listen when things get tough we all like to run away like mm-hmm. that's just the reality like it, it's kind of like that fight or flight can you truck through it enough to figure out if once it starts to fall into place it brings you joy can you th- truck through it enough to make that decision if it's just something that's not adding value to yeah. your life and if it's not adding value to your life i think the why is it is so important why are you doing it you know, and it's, it's hard because it's, it's, I try to stay away from any kind of like toxic positivity, any kind mm-hmm. of like anything like that, because I'm just like, listen, sometimes we have to go to the job that we don't like because we need to do it because we need to put food on the table. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's a conversation that like, it's, it's so personal. Like it's literally a conversation that you need to have with yourself and figuring out like, what else could it look like? And again, it's professionally, it's in relationships, it's in friendships. It's like sometimes we feel stuck and because it's what we know, mm-hmm. we're just kind of like, ah, no, I have to do it. I'm just like punking out because I'm, I'm I'm uncomfortable. No, sometimes it's just not adding anything to your life. Yeah. I feel like that's the, that's the constant conversation and that's, um, I, I have to work on that for sure. And I feel like, I, like I said, like I, I have a pretty decent conversation with myself and I think I understand where that gut feeling is coming from. But even so, sometimes I'm like, how far do I need to take this of being uncomfortable and fighting through resistance until I recognize that it's actually not something that I want to do versus the the opposite, you know? And I think the, I think, and, and I guess like mentioning it for like someone in a place like you, mm-hmm. reconnecting to the why is always, I think, such a determining factor. It It will tell you so much. I think for someone who hasn't figured out their why, I think that's that, like, that's the first step. Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? And that sounds so absolutely cheesy, but it's true. Like what, what, what would make you excited to get up versus dread getting up? And once we start to figure those things out, and again, this is not to say that we're not going to have to do things that we don't want. Like it, we do, it's life, (laughs) it's life. Um, 
but I don't know. I think once we can connect all those little things to like a bigger picture, this is this is why I'm doing it. And it could look very differently. For some people, it could be helping others. For some people, it could simply be like feeding their kids, like whatever that is, but like being so clear about it. And then, I don't know. And then I think that the conversation looks a little, e not easier. I think the conversation can be a little clearer once you start thinking of how long do I need to push through the resistance, you know? Okay, so you went back to school. At this point, you're you're thinking you want to do this forever. Yes, I went back to school and I was like, this is it. Like, we're doing it. We are going in. We are going in, like, with the blinders on. Like, I, we're, we're hustling. Okay. Um. Also, we need to get a clip of you performing and put it at the beginning of the episode. Oh, my God. Let's do <laughs> like, it. Like, we have to do <laughs> that. <laughs> Plenty. Um, and it was, I did, I mean, I was going through it. We were, and- immediately like some of the feelings that I have felt in undergrad started to bubble back up. There was also the, the element of both in undergrad and now in grad school, like I had to work, like I had to find another job and, or not another job. I had to find a job outside of music. And in many ways, like that's the, those jobs, it's not that they took over my life, but they took time mm -hmm. from what I was doing. Um, when I was in grad school, my studies were paid for, but like I still needed to like pay my rent and all that, mm -hmm. like all these things. So I was, I, I know you, I know you, we, we, you mentioned it in some of the questions we talked about earlier, but the Hillstone, I was working at Hillstone <laughs> for yes. um, like a year, a, a year and a half. Um, it was actually the, the Hillstone named Doll Harbor and it just started slowly, ta like taking time and taking time and taking time. And I, I needed the money. So like I didn't want to, and it just got so messy. And when I say messy, I just mean like emotionally messy. Um, by the time I was ready to graduate grad school, I, I literally, I tell people I was, I 20, that was 2017 was a disaster. Like I was just like, not, I was not prepared to go get a job in music because I hadn't actually put in the focus that I, I told myself I was going to put in mm -hmm. for whatever circumstances. Like I, I, I tried, I do, I try my best not to like dwell on excuses. Mm -hmm. Like it just is what it is. Um, yeah, there's a reason, honestly, that you were not doing it too, yeah. you know? And so th on that end, I was just like, okay, we'll see what happens. And there was nothing else. Like I, it was one of those, okay, let's check in. I have nothing else to like, I don't want to say fall back on, but I've, I've been doing these two things. I could like potentially back away from music and go into hospitality full time. But like, I knew that that was never like... That, that didn't was, feel right that for never, you. Yeah, that was never an interest of mine. Um, and so then on the other end, I was like, I could, I guess, like stay home and like keep really honing these skills and then go on the what they call like the audition circuit, which is just basically like apply to any and every mm -hmm. music job that comes up and then you go and take the audition. Um, but I just genuinely did not feel prepared. Um, I'm never going to forget. I played... Ugh, I I hate talking about this. I it's not that I hate talking about this. It's just like it's weird moments that I've only had with myself, and I actually have never really like shared with anyone. But I remember playing my final master's recital, and I like everyone. We had a reception afterward. Everyone kind of cleared out. My family went home, and I was gonna meet up some friends for meet up with some friends for drinks. But I sat on campus for a little bit, and I just felt this kind of like not sadness. It wasn't sadness. It was nostalgia. And I just, there was something in me that kind of told me like, this is where we part ways. 
I'm getting emotional. I'm like getting chills because it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like so weird to like talk about. Um, I, music, I will never be done with music. I think even in what I do today, like music is so integral. Um, I will never not be a performer. I will never not be a clarinetist. Like it was 18 years of my life. I, I still play my clarinets. I played them just about every day through quarantine, like for hours a day. Um, but I think I was able to like redefine what it was for me through quarantine. It became meditative again. It became therapeutic again. It became mine again versus this thing that I had to be perfect at in hopes of making a living. So. Wow. That is so incredibly powerful. And I think in a way you had to take it to the finish line to know that it was time to part ways with it. Otherwise, maybe you would have always questioned like, did I do it? Wow. That is so incredibly powerful. So, okay. I I think at some point in this podcast, I'm going to have to bring it back to Hillstone, but I think the natural (laughs) progression, (laughs) I think the natural progression of the conversation is, okay. So you, I think that there's a lot of pieces to this saying goodbye to something that you have put so much time and effort and so much of yourself in, and that you definitely had an identity with. You literally said that your whole family was there to support you in that. Um, everyone probably knew that that was what your goal was. And I think it's easy to say that you were just, you know, followed your heart and you had listened to yourself. And that's the day that you parted ways and never thought about anything else. But I think that a lot of us think like, well, what will my parents think? Or what will, you know, I've invested so much time, like what will my friends think? Is it weird that like I literally put seven years or 18 years or whatever, however long into something and it, not that you failed, but that you, you feel like, okay, well, I'm not going to do anything else with it. So like, was it a waste of time? You know, all of these questions happen when you're at those pivotal moments and you chose yourself, which is the most important and brave thing to do. But how did you reconcile and did you have any of those thoughts and how was it like then choosing that and then explaining to the world that this was what you were choosing? Um, so I, let's just, let's just add a layer to the story. Um, my parents were actually both musicians. My, my dad still, he teaches music, um, at a private school here. My parents met playing music. Like music has always been a part of my life. And my parents were so supportive. They never pressured me to play music. But when I decided that that's what I wanted to do, they were just so like beautifully supportive. Like it was just like, so I, I, there, were defi- there, was, there were definitely elements of that. And I think even as I was starting to like come to terms with that, I don't even want to say decision, but like what I felt was just like naturally happening. Um, I always kind of wondered, I'm like, how do I, how do I exp- like, y'all, we went to, we got, we are a master in the clarinet technically by, <laughs> by degree. And I'm here saying like, and even then there were moments like I'd, one of my best friends who will come into the story real soon. Cause he introduced me to soul cycle, but we even like up, up to this year, like we had applied to play at a conference. We were accepted to play at the conference. So it's like moments that I like, have like, tr- I don't want to say try to pull me back, but moments where I'm like, I don't want to, f- I, I don't want to fully let it go. Like, I mean, it, it will always be a part of me. Yeah. Um, but that, that conversation with myself was always so clear and so loud. And what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Am I giving up? Am I quitting? Um, was I simply not good enough? Which I think is like so much more dangerous than am I quitting? Because at least am I quitting? Is like yeah, on I'm, me. I'm choosing yeah. that. There was always like, that, are they just gonna say that I wasn't good enough? Um, uh, that's, yeah, that deserves <laughs> like a moment. Like, like uh. um, but I, 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 I don't know. I, I, 
I think it, it, so, so first of all, I, I think that conversation was like very much so happening in my head. One of the most liberating moments and like, I don't, I've never even told them this, but like one of the most liberating moments was like in the middle of COVID shutdown, like I'm having this conversation with my parents about just kind of like career and where I was and what I was doing and soul cycle and music and all these things. And I heard my dad say like, well, like it, music is not going to be the thing. Like we just need to figure out what is going to be the thing. And we, we go from there. And I was like, excuse me, this is how you have felt this whole time. <laughs> I could have just said it out loud and we would have saved all this. Okay, fantastic. I'm just going to ignore that. It's like we forget that like the pressure is always coming from us. Like the people that love us want us to be living in our authenticity. Mm -hmm. Like that's what they genuinely want. Maybe for a second they'll be like, ah, shucks. Like we could have like played together, whatever. That'll be one second. But like the level of, of just true, like, you know, feeling proud and, and happy for whoever it is in your life that's going through that. Like people just want you to be in your authenticity. So like, takeaway is just, it's really hard, but like really silence that noise because it does not matter. Like you just have to choose yourself every single fucking time. 1000%. Every time. Okay. So now you have graduated. You're now doing the, um, audition circuit. So I actually, I never did. Oh, you didn't do it. I never did. I never did. I was, um, I was working at Hillstone through that summer. So I graduated summer of, or May of 2017. I was working at Hillstone for, uh, a couple months until I had like a complete like mental breakdown. And I was like, this is not what I want to be doing with my life, but that's separate issue. Um, but I had also the, t- again, the timing. Mm-hmm. And this is one, something that I also, I try to stay away from the phrase, everything happens for a reason, because there are a lot of very painful things that happen to human beings. And like, I, there are circumstances that we're born into that. Like I try to stay away from that phrase yeah. genuinely, but I do believe in timing and I do think a lot of times when we're having these check-ins with ourselves, we need to just look at what's happening around us. And it's like that super cheesy sign. Like if you're looking for a sign, this is it. Like sometimes (laughs) like it's right in front of you and you're like, yeah, you're so stuck in the noise in your head that you don't see that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so all these things, whatever I'm, I'm working at Hillstone soul cycle announces that they're going on an audition audition tour. I had been writing at soul cycle through a friend. I teach, one day I'm never going to forget. It was one Saturday morning. He texted me and he's like, do you want to go to soul cycle? It's for free. And I'm like, no, I'm hungover. And he's like, just come. And I'm what like, what year is this? This was January of 2016. Okay. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm hungover. Leave me alone. <laughs> and he was like, just come. It'll be fine. And I'm like, I'm only going to go if there's like loud music and if it's in the dark. And he's like, that that's literally what it is. I was like, okay, fine. I'll see you there. <laughs> like I, my best friend was visiting from I, like, we just like went and did the thing. Here I am, summer of 2017. Soul Cycle um, announces that they're having like their what they call their audition tour, and I was like, I'm gonna try this. I'm just simply gonna try this. I love it. I loved it as a writer. Um, I think it kept me sane, and honestly, from probably making some like weird, funky choices in my life. To be completely honest, um, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. What I told myself was, you always hear these like not rumors, but you hear like, oh, no one gets through Soul Cycle audition, their first try, whatever. And I was like, okay, so here's the way it's going to go. If I get through, I'm committing to this and I'm giving it at least a full year of my life. Going back to that conversation of like, do I just like leave when mm-hmm. things get hard? I was like, this is going to be like my, this is, I, I am setting, I don't want to call it a goal, but this is how I'm going to know. This is how I'm going to measure that I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to see how it goes. We'll go from there. 
flew to New York, took the audition, was invited for a second round, got into training, which they consider basically like the final piece of the audition mm-hmm. process. Went through training. I was offered a spot back here in Miami. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're, we're going to at least stay here. We're doing it. Here I am almost four years later. <laughs> okay. I Can you set the scene of like what the fitness industry in Miami, like I feel like now, you know, SoulCycle is obviously like a household name. I wonder what it was like. I can't, I actually can't remember what it was like back then. Um, I've been riding with you for at least like two or three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I'm just curious to know what the scene was because to, to take that leap and to have that be a career path, I'm curious as to like what you thought you were signing yourself up for at the time versus like if someone's going into it now, it's like a very legitimate, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge company now, you know? So I'm curious what that was like and how you felt about it. Um, it's, it's interesting. My, my, my opinions and my views on it are very, I would say soul cycle specific only because, and this kind of ties into my story, but it's like fitness was never really a passion per se. Like to me, exercise was always the thing you did to punish yourself after you ate too many donuts (laughs) or whatever it was. Like, it was just like, I had very, very toxic view (laughs) of fitness. Um, I actually had discovered group fitness back in Michigan. I started doing CrossFit and I was like, Oh, this is fun when people are supportive and like, there's a little bit of competition and whatever. Um, when I got into, when I started doing soul cycle here, boutique fitness as it, as they call like the, the soul cycles that, yeah, like the soul cycles, a solid core as well. It was like cool. Like it was like cool and like a little bit exclusive, which like now that word is not, yeah. Like (laughs) now that word is frowned upon. But back then, back then it was like, it was like the thing that cool kids were doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like saving like my little pennies from Hillstone (laughs) so I could go take class, you know? Um, no, I'm kidding. You're so cute. (laughs) How are we going to bring Hillstone back into the conversation? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We got this. You promise? Because I I have questions. I got you. Okay. Um, I got the scoop. Uh, that's spinach dip, man. Uh, anyway. Um, punishing from this fucking spinach dip that I can relate to. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was like the cool thing. I think in many ways, it's so funny because it's like in many ways, instructors were like these like cool people who like- They still are. Are I, you kidding me? And now I'm like, y'all, we're just human. Like, we're just like humans trying to figure it. I literally texted Robert on my way here and I'm like, I, I really hope no one thinks that I have it put more together than anyone oh, else. So like, cute. it's just like, I, we're just, we're, we're just going through it. And I think for, for me as a, as a client, um, it was an opportunity to like, yes, exercise, but in a way that was, one, not punishment. Two, allowed me to meet people who were like-minded. They, like, wanted to improve themselves in whatever capacity, A, B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. Um, I think fitness has dramatically changed in the past year. Like, it's just the, the nature of the game. And I actually had the, I was having that conversation with one of my, my bosses in New York and our like HQs are yeah. out of New York City. So um, I was having the conversation with one of, my, one of my bosses and it's like, it's so interesting because when I signed up for SoulCycle, I signed up for a career in SoulCycle, not a fitness career, a career as a SoulCycle instructor. Um, tying in some of the like new, not changes, but like the new endeavors in my life with like starting to work at camps as a trainer there and and all these things. I think it's just, now it's a matter of, reconnecting to your why not to like beat it like a dead horse but reconnecting to your why why are you in this field why are you in this industry and how do you make yourself the most like well-rounded package 
possible. Um, so it has made it so that it's not, it's no longer so much about the company, but about you as an individual and as a brand. Um, and I think I would say like, that's the biggest difference between where we are now in, in fitness. I, w- I wouldn't say just in Miami, honestly, like, like in you this mean, country. Like you mean that like people are gravitating more towards the person versus towards the brand or the boutique fitness studio or whatever. You think that people are being more driven to a personality that makes you feel something. I think it's exactly. I think it's a person, the personality and whatever community has been formed around that. I totally completely agree. The people that I gravitate towards in fitness, there's only one studio that I gravitate towards. It's not for the personality. It's for the workout. There's one, but I do several different workouts. All of the other ones that I do are, I'm pulled by the instructor, you being one of them. If I, you, if you're not teaching at SoulCycle, I'm not going to SoulCycle. So just so you know. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to try classes. <laughs> I know. I got to try others, but it's like, you know, like when you just find it, I have tried other instructors, but it's like, and this is something that I think I, we can get more into like the why and how it's evolved for you from when you started to what it is now. But as a client of yours, as someone that goes to SoulCycle, I like exactly what you said. Like, yes, it's a workout. I'm moving my body. It feels good to have that mind-body connection. I choose to go on Mondays at 6.30 in the morning because it sets the tone for the week for me. And it's more of like a spiritual, mindful, you know, check-in with myself than it is an actual workout. And I think that 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 has been a huge shift in the fitness industry in general too, aside from being, you know, being pulled towards a person versus a brand. Um, I think also like the way that people are working out is more to discover themselves a little bit more. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think, um, I love that you use like the phrase check-in. I think for a lot of people on, I, I mean, on like the gamut of fitness and wellness, like from someone who just started working out to like professional athletes, I think a lot of times, that's their check-in. That's their like. That's the, that's their moment where they, whatever they're doing. For some people, it's like lifting weights. For some people, it's soul cycle. For some people, but it's their opportunity to like reconnect. Um, I haven't really figured out the way to make lifting weights meditative, <laughs> but we'll come back to yeah, that. Yeah, to be honest, I don't, I don't either. Actually, there's one class in New York that I feel meditative while doing that. It's called Session, and okay. it, and it is, it is the vibe. It's yeah. like the the instructor in the community. So I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I have taken one class that feels like that. Um, okay, so I I guess back to when you started SoulCycle because people were going to SoulCycle for the brand versus what it is now. How has that like progression for you changed? And like, at what point were you like, okay, I think now it's time for another check-in and discover what I would be like outside of SoulCycle, removing the identity of Raul, the SoulCycle instructor and trying something new. I know that a lot of this came from COVID and having a lot of, you know, we can get into that by the way. Like I actually do want to get into what that looked like for you. And I mean, SoulCycle was closed for, I don't know how long. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious from like what SoulCycle was when you started and it being a brand and you growing with that because, you know, your name grew with the SoulCycle name um, to who you are as a person and instructor now and how you've wanted to evolve into this new role with camps. Um, I So I think when I started at SoulCycle, um, there were a few moments of what I'll just call like little reality checks. Um, I thought that because I was from Miami and I had been a writer in Miami, I was going to come back and people were going to come take my class. Like it just like, it felt Mm -hmm. 
it felt like <laughs> the, the common sense um, yeah. series of events. That's not how that worked out. Um, people stayed obviously like loyal to their instructors and like, I at first because knew I knew that people were going to Soul Cycle because it was the cool thing. Right. Um, I thought that I would automatically like I don't want to say benefit from that, but like I would automatically like have a ridership and all that. Yeah, that it would come with the territory. Exactly. And I very quickly realized that like, oh wait, no, like even though people were coming to Soul Cycle for Soul Cycle, like people still had like I don't want to say allegiances, but like people had the people they they vibed with. And yeah. like there within Soul Cycle, there was still that community. I mm-hmm. um it took me a long time. And when I say long time, I mean like a couple of years, a couple of years of teaching to like really understand what is community within a fitness gym? What is community within um, this thing that we do on these bikes for ourselves in the dark with some candles? Like, you know, like what is that? Um, and it's, it's, it, for me, it started, I, I think the first revelation was, Breaking down that, like, I'll, I'll, I'll almost call it, like, a fourth wall, like, like mm-hmm. they do in theater, like, breaking that down um, to connect with the writers. And it's, like, it's it's not a me teaching you how to tap it back. It's, like, a we're in this together. We're just kind of, like, in this yeah. weird, like, therapeutic party together. Yeah. And then the next, like, revelation and check-in was, like, now how do we connect them to each other? Like, how do we make it so that... Um, everyone can at least name like two people in the Monday, six thirty in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because then it's like the, the like unspoken, almost like accountability and like totally. that I like, and if you do start to connect with each other, then it's like that. I just want to go see my friends. Like that's yeah. just, you know what it is? Uh, what I mean? Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think that was like how things kind of started going for me, started, started progressing for me. And you building your, your and you, brand. you building, exactly. Me building my brand, me bu- building like <laughs> my writership, me building my following me. Um, always encouraging people, of course, to like take other people's classes and all these yeah. things. But like at the end of the day, like you need to have your consistent writership base or- you have me, Kiki, and McGuire, 6.30 a.m. for the rest of eternity. For as long as you're teaching, no, you have and, us three. And I will tell you, like, I, so Johnny, who's one of, like, our, our assistant studio managers, she's also, like, just, like, my best friend. Um, we talk about this all the time because, it's like, when I, when we came back from COVID that they gave me that 6.30 in the morning, I was like, that, I'm, I'm not going to last in that. Like, I'm just not going to, like, I've never taught that early. And now I just, like, I can't let it go. Like, I'm just, like, I, <laughs> I okay. but it, it's that. It's, it's the... It's the community. It's the people. It's the, like, I I want to totally. go see my people. I want to finish the thought on, like, how you thought it was time to, like, expand your thing. But back to the 630 thing. Don't let me forget about that because I do want to go and I want to understand, like, what this pivot or, like, this expansion. I actually, because you're doing both at the same time. Um, but with the, the 630 AM and just generally, I have so many questions about energy and like how the hell do you do it and how do you plan and also like if you feel comfortable talking about because I think for maybe someone that's listening that wants to go into the space mm-hmm. there at least for me that I don't really understand like the 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 payment structure or like if it's for the one hour class like how much time goes into prepping for the class are you paid for that prep like um yeah just give me I want explanations on energy on how it actually works um, on how the hell you show up, you're a human. So you yeah. have a, a, you know, maybe you're hungover or maybe you like <laughs> didn't sleep one night. Cause for whatever reason yeah. you got into a fight with some, whatever you're a human, but you consistently show up. So how the hell do you do that? And then also for someone listening, like how does the structure and how do you build that class playlist, et cetera? Like, how does that work? Um, okay. 
oof, that's a lot. Okay, um, why don't we actually, let's just start with energy. Energy. Let's, I think, I'll bring it back I, to the other ones. Um, I think for me, the, so there's two things, right? Like the, um, there's, there's like that performative energy that just like lives in me. Um, and I think will forever live in me. So I think the key for me personally has always been how do I channel what I'm feeling and going through into a relatable energy, a relatable uplifting energy. Um, there are times where I walk into the studio and I'm just like livid, be it <laughs> like I got in a fight with Robert, be it I, my parents are on my nerve, like whatever it is. And I just, or like someone cut me off in traffic and it just like really like, <laughs> yeah. like really misaligned my, my energy. How do I, how do I figure out a way to like channel that, you know, in a way that is still going to make people have a good workout, leave feeling with some sense of accomplishment, um, have fun. Like just because I'm angry doesn't mean that I get to yell at people for 45 minutes because I wouldn't want to be yelled at for 45 minutes. So I think for me, it's always like converting whatever like the reality is mm -hmm. and like working through it sometimes. Like if I'm really upset, class is probably going to be really hard that day. <laughs> like we're going to push through. Okay, I'm going to know. I'm going to be like, you good? <laughs> More literally like you good? Do we need to talk? Um, sometimes it's just like channeling it through music. Like it's mm -hmm. just like, I, I don't know, just like letting it but keeping it in a way that stays authentically aligned with what you're feeling as a human, as a human, yeah. I think the minute you try to take, sometimes there's sad things that happen in life. And the minute you try to take that energy and manipulate it into like, let's just like twerk it out all class, like something and there's going to be a disconnect and you feel it. That there's an energy shift. You just, it a, doesn't. And, the people who I, I will always say like the, the, the magic of soul cycle is the people like that's the special sauce. Um, we're all just like, I always, I, I joke about this, but like, it's just the truth. Like we're all just like a little crazy and we like, we just need, the, I don't know. We just like, I don't it's know. True. We vibe differently. Yeah. Um, I, they, they are so perceptive to that and they know when you're like full of shit, <laughs> like they just do, like they just totally. do. And, and, and that's just something that like, for the people who really know you like, and who really ride with you and like, like you might walk in one day and be like, okay, he's trying to fool <laughs> us, but like, I'll see you next Monday, whatever. But for someone else who maybe is trying it for the first time or whatever, they're like, something here wasn't connecting for me. And that's the last time you'll see them, you know? So yeah. it, it's just saying true and authentic to that. I, I think is the key. Tired, like chug a Celsius. Like, let's go like figure out a way to like, oh, I can't <laughs> with the Celsius. <laughs> I tried one the other day and I was like, what in God's diddly daddly earth is this? I listen, I we're getting better. I used to like be a religious Red Bull drinker and I Okay, we, this is a step in the right direction. <laughs> but holy cow, I tried it, I think like two weeks ago, and I I I tried a sip and I hated it. And then a few days later, McGuire, my boyfriend, he had a sip of it and then he kissed me right after and I was like, get away from me. I was like, ew. Like, I literally can't. Oh my God. I don't know how you do it. Okay, so you chug a Celsius and then you're like, okay, good. We're and good. Go. And, and here's the reality of it. And it's, it ties to like your one of your other questions, but it's like, here's the reality of it. It's 45 minutes of my life. At most, it's 60 if it's a, a, a survivor. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's an hour of my life. Um, how can I, can I, how, what do I need to do to just like show up as 
my most authentic version of myself in that moment. Like that's really it. So what are your tricks? So Celsius is one of them. It's a Celsius for the energy is definitely one of them. Um, music, music. I think the music. Do you pump yourself up before you go on? Um, some, yeah, sometimes I'll like definitely like listen to something. If I'm like driving. Even 6.30 a.m. You're like out there like. 6.30 a.m. Let me tell you what. We ride in silence <laughs> from my house to the. I, and I, so I will, there's no traffic at that time. So I usually get there early and I will sit in my car in silence and I will just like stare out the window and then, but I know that once I get out of my car, like it's, we're on, like, it's like, we're doing this. And typically I will go back to bed after a 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> like just being completely do, honest. Um, but I know that, like, I know that on the other side of it is like, if I can, if I have the time, like I'm going to take a nap or like I'll, I'll be done and I get the rest of my day and I don't have to be on. Robert always, so Robert's my partner. Like he, he rides with me Le- Literally lot. the most supportive <laughs> partner of life, like McGuire, if you're listening, take a note from Robert. I'm kidding. McGuire's actually super supportive too, but Robert is just another level. He's yeah. He's I'm very. He's grateful. out there very in lucky. the audience all the time. Like I just can't. You guys are the cutest. At any chance he can, he's like front and center. Like he has not, no idea that I know yeah. who he is, but I know, I know. And every time I see him, I'm like, you are a supportive partner. Yeah. I fucking love you. No, he's he's the best. But sometimes he'll like he'll drive me to class and he'll take class with me. And then after class, we'll get in the car and I'll just be like, I'll be super silent. And he's like, oh gosh, what happened? What's wrong? And I'm like, no, actually like nothing's wrong. I just like, I'm I'm out. Like I ran out. I'm <laughs> depleted. We're just refueling. And that's honestly like a big thing for me, like finding pockets of time to be alone, finding pockets of time to, I spend a lot of time in my car. I like, I will get places, like I'll get home and I'll just like sit in the garage for like 30 40 wow and i'll just like i'll pull out my phone and like i'll get on tiktok i'll do something mindless like i i just finding times to do mindless quiet things um robert and i took a stab at like doing the 75 hard thing that didn't really go over well it's this like it's like a mental toughness challenge basically but it's like you're some of the requirements are like you have to work out twice a day one of them has to be outdoors like you have to read 10 pages of something a day again it did not work out very well (laughs) for us oh you can't drink and like literally in like a series of three weekends. We had like friends visiting from out of town. We had like an Ugh. engagement party. We were like, this is just not, this is not the <laughs> this energy. Align need. With our this is not aligning so. with the things we need right now. But um, I think the thing that I really did take from it because I obviously like work out for my job mm-hmm. for a lot of the um, outdoor workouts, I was just going on walks. Um, and I realized how much that actually like helps me clear my mind and like refuel and literally just walking around a park looking at the dogs and just like Margaret Pace, my go-to <laughs> if anyone is wondering. Cause you have the dog park there. You just like, wa- like, it's just like you have the water. Like it's just like very finding those pockets of time in a nutshell is finding those pockets of time to just recharge, to be alone, to. Are there like a certain amount of classes? Do you know your max? Like, do you know what you can't go over? Um, yes. The number is 14, 14 classes a week, which that is before crazy. COVID, I think my permanent schedule was like, 12 or 13. So if you subbed anything, like you were easy, would easily like trickle into that. It's not even so much a physical thing. I, so like two or three weeks ago, we had just like a lot of transition with a lot of our instructors. So I was subbing a lot and I think I ended up teaching 15 in a week. And I, this is going to sound super dramatic, but I, once the room was clear of my last class that week, I literally shut my laptop and I just like, I just like started crying and it was like not even intentional. Like I was crying, laughing. I was like laughing at myself as I was crying. Cause I'm like, why are there tears falling out my face? Like, I just like didn't understand, but I was just so tired. Like I was so emotionally drained. And I, I will always say this. Like I, 
I try my hardest not to say a single thing in class that I don't mean. Like, it's like, I, that's just, I think for me that just aligns with the authenticity piece. Like if you're Mm -hmm. talking, like, sorry for the phrase, but like, if you're talking out of your ass, again, people are going, like, they're going to be like, can you shut up, please? Um, so I try really hard to like, make sure that whatever my messaging is, whatever we're actually talking about that day is like, I mean it, I, you know, um, and I feel like after those 15 classes, I was just like, I, I've, I have nothing left to say, feel, do. <laughs> like, but that's so important that you know that. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I can't believe that you're doing 14. That's pretty insane. And also something that I feel like not everyone, some people are talking about this, but I think we can talk about it more is the fact that we have been in isolation for a year. And then to go back to your pre COVID schedule of 14, 15 classes, like that's a lot to put on a human. And, you know, there's going to be a transition period of us trying to like figure out what our new you know, regular rhythm of things is going to be. Uh, but I'm pretty shocked that th- that's 14. But for someone that maybe wants to go into soul cycle or wants to go into the fitness industry, um, is it typical for it to just be paid for the class or do they pay you for creating the playlist? And all, like, how does that actually work logistically? For the most part, I would say um, the uh, common practice is per class. Um, so it's, it's, interesting because then like when you have a conversation with someone and you present like, Oh yeah, like I get paid X amount of dollars per class. They're like, Oh wow. You get paid that an hour. And it's like, no, I get paid that for per class. class. But that means preparing the playlist, preparing the, what in whatever modality you're in, preparing the playlist, preparing the workout, showing up early, teaching the class, staying afterward, posting on social media. Like it's just all recovering, recovering, (laughs) recovering is part of Underline, your job. highlight, exclamation point, exclamation point. Like it, it's all these things. So it's like, I, I really, what pet peeve of mine is when people try to like convert what we do into like an hourly rate. Cause it's like, yes, my class is that's 45 why I minutes, ask. but it's like, that's not. why I ask because I want to be honest with anyone that's listening. That is like super inspired by you and wants to do it. Like I want to be honest with what the actual thing looks like. And like, if that's something that you think needs to be raised more in the fitness industry in general, you know? Um, I would say so. I think across the board, um, listen, I, it's so funny because it's like, I, again, I have this conversation with Robert all the time because obviously finances and <laughs> life, yeah. um, but I have this conversation with Robert all the time where it's like, I, I want SoulCycle specifically to do better, but at the same time, it, there, it requires a little bit of like awareness and understanding that in the grand scheme of fitness, like I am very lucky to yeah. like do what I do and make what I make and be treated the way that I do. Like right now post COVID, like my permanent schedule is 10 classes, but like that is considered full time. And like, I have my benefits. Mm-hmm. I have like, so to like, that's, that's interesting that you guys get benefits. We, exactly. Great. So it's like, we're, cons- and so to me, like, that's not common practice At in, all. in the, in, in the fitness industry. So I'm like, let's, before we go on the spiral of like everything that I wish was better, like, let's, take a step back and like look at the things that I do have yeah. that aren't common practice in the, in the fitness mm-hmm. industry. I do think overall though, um, I, 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 I simply think fitness instructors, especially starting out could be treated a little bit better. And that's, I'm, and I'm not being specific to social like, I'm just being like in general in the fitness industry. I, I think what we do is, is hard. What we do is physically taxing, Emotionally taxing. Emotionally taxing. Wherever you're doing it, in whatever modality you're doing it, anything that like forces you to, not forces you, but anything that requires you to use your body and use your energy in such a way, like, I don't know. I it And there's like that learning curve. There's that learning curve and like new fitness instructors, fitness trainers 
shouldn't have to like be eating ramen for two years until they quote unquote figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I wish there was a little bit more grace and I don't, I listen, I'm not the business person. I haven't figured it out. I wish I could like, is there, well, I mean, you have, you have a lot of years under your belt for someone that's starting out right now. Is there something that you would help them with or like some, something to read or a resource or something that helped you kind of navigate a little bit? I, I, I think for me, the, the biggest resource is the community. Like I 100%, I think I took it for granted for a long time, but talking to other fitness instructors, hearing their story. And I think tying it to like what I guess like that last shift was for me when I was thinking about fitness and how it was, I guess like four years ago now and how it is now, like understanding that people will gravitate toward you as more, more so than whatever workout you're teaching. We learned that and it became so clear last year when a lot of fitness instructors were getting furloughed, a lot of fitness instructors were getting laid off and they were like creating their at-home workouts. They were doing these things and people, I like get chills talking about it because it's like people were people were showing up to support. People were doing the Zoom classes. People were buying the t-shirts. People were doing the thing, but it's because of you as a person. So I think figuring out, I'm going to say one more time, figuring out like what your why is, like, why are, why are you in this industry? What is it about this industry that like makes you tick and, and honing in on that. And, and at the end of the day, again, I, I love my job and I love SoulCycle and I, and I, I, I love you SoulCycle. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but like understanding that you can't be dependent on a company. You, the minute you become dependent on a company, one, you are at such risk and two, like you're limiting yourself. You're limiting yourself to like that one modality and experience when in reality again like as fitness traders as humans we're, we can be so dynamic yeah, so i think multi-dimensional exactly so I, I think if we just like really latch on to that um your chances of success in this industry are significantly higher What is your why? What is your, we call it the active ingredient here. And I, I think that it's something that could evolve. Like I said, you, you can have many, several different active ingredients. You can have different ones every day, you know, but what would you say is your why when you show up? It could be at SoulSaker or how you show up in your relationship. What's your why? I think, I think for me, it's about getting people to understand and accept that they can be the architects of their own lives. Um, it's hard. Like, like life is full of curveballs. Life is unpredictable. Um, but we, we have so much more power than we can fathom. Um, it's not about resources. It's not about money. It's not about those things are important, like they're so important, but we have so much power in our hands just by the choices we make on a daily basis to like truly create the life we see ourselves living. Like that's ultimately it. Um, I think for me, it's not about like, where do you want to be in five years? It's like, what do you want to feel in five years? Like, how do you want to see yourself in five years? I think those are the questions that like start shaping the conversation. And for me, like, Right now, it's it's through fitness, it's through soul cycle, it's th- through movement of the body. But it's 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 never about number of calories. It's never about the weight loss. It's never about I drank too much last night. For me, it's like move your body and see what happens when you just allow yourself to be a little freer. Like, what does that look like? How does that connect to your mind? And what 
I mean, I, you've probably heard me say this in class 95,000 times, like, what can you learn about yourself today? And, and we just go from there. Surprise yourself. I feel like you've taught me that in class a million yeah. times. It's like, just see what's on the other side of it. Like you could put the resistance up a little bit and you may hate it. You may like it. You may be like, oh, it's actually not that different from what it was before, but you're doing it a little bit more. And I mean, as a, you've definitely done that with me. So at yeah. least you've, one person has been impacted by it for sure. And I appreciate that. I, I think it's like, sometimes I have the conversation with I've heard all sorts of feedback about my class, some of it directly to my face, some of it not directly to my face, but sometimes it's like, oh my God, but like your class is just so hard. And I'm like, here's the deal. Like as I grow as an instructor, my class grows. And as my writers grow, my class grows. And yes, I'm going to continue to challenge you in new and different ways. One, because I think that's just simply my job. And two, because that's the only way I'm giving you an opportunity to learn that new thing, to surprise yourself in a new way. The other bringing like my classical music background, I guess, into what we do. The other way I see that space is as a rehearsal room, as that place where you can like take the chances, make the mistakes, but guess what? You're not on a stage. Nobody's looking. Nobody's waiting to critique you. It's just you doing the damn thing and figuring out how you can apply that when you leave the room. It's something that truly like I, I'm sure someone out there is listening and being like, what the hell is he talking about? But it's just truly like something that I think you don't really fully understand until you give it a try, until you just like experience it. 100%. And I will say it's like this sounds like it's a, an ad for Soul Cycle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, by the way, guys, we're not sponsored no. <laughs> literally at all. I would love that, actually, um, if you're listening. Just saying. Um, but it's not at all. But I will say one of the most powerful things I think about the class is the solo, like the, the, the song that you do with just yourself and you just are in it and you're, you know, that song flies by for me. I don't know if everyone else feels that or can resonate with that, but I, I feel like it's just so powerful. You've built so much throughout the class and then you just have a moment to just be yourself with the bike or with the road or whatever it is that you're imagining. And have that conversation with yourself or that check-in again. Like that to me is the most powerful part of class. 100%. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's, and I mean, match that with like the music that you put in that yeah. song. There was, the, there was one, I think like two weeks ago that I was like, this was your best class ever. And it was the mash. I was like, you need to send me the mashups, <laughs> like whatever. I think the mashup was uh driver's license and Taylor Swift and the and getaway car. Yeah. <laughs> I cried. I literally haven't cried in a soul cycle in so long. I literally was like, Oh my God, that's so incredible that you have that power. I've done your class for three years now. You would think that like three years in, like what, how can it possibly, and it, again, Two weeks ago, did it again. It's incredible. Um, so this podcast is obviously very much about personal growth, about career, about life, about how we, all of these things kind of intertwine. Um, and it's definitely for the person who sees you in your light and you're doing it. You've chosen yourself. You know, you're doing it all the time. You understand what your why is, but they may not know what questions to ask themselves. They may be so in their heads or it may be just a very like lost point in time for them, what advice would you give for them to first understand even how to get to that? Why, what questions to ask yourself or, you know, it's easy or not easy, but easier to go down a path. If you know, if you have some sort of North or some sort of direction, but if you're starting from zero and you just are like, I just, I know I want to feel excited for my life, but I don't know how to get there. What advice or what questions would you pose to someone that's feeling that? I think it's, um, I think one of the most helpful things we can do is listen carefully to what we're think 
listen carefully to what we're thinking and pay close attention to what we're doing when we feel our happiest. I, I think connecting those moments a lot of times will tell us so much. Listen, it, 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 it's not that black and white and it requires a lot of, again, connecting the dots and a lot of like, I would say I would even write things down and just like really see where the patterns is. But like, listen, yes, by all means, like going out on a Friday with my friends makes me happy. Is that what it is? No, but what what is it about that that makes you happy? It's probably like connection. It's probably like being with other humans. For some people, going out with their friends on a Friday night is the biggest nightmare. So maybe connection is like not the thing for you, you know? Um, but drawing those patterns, we... Um, when I worked at Lululemon, we used to do the, um, these like vision and goals and purpose exercises. And so, so many times we would just start with like, just write where you would be at your happiest. What would you be doing? And it's not about career. It's not about what job you would be doing. It's not about how much money you would be making. It's literally what would you be doing in your ideal day? Is it waking up and having a cup of coffee with your partner and your two dogs, like looking out the, whatever it is, you start writing these things. And from that, you start, you try to identify the patterns. The patterns will usually be your values. Your values will inexplicably take you to your why. I think a lot of times we focus the conversation from an incorrect angle of who do I want to be? And I think we should be focusing the conversation of like, how do I want to feel? Wow. 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 That is so powerful. That's one of the best answers, if not the best answer I've had on this podcast. And I've done it for two years now. So absolutely incredible. Um, I need to ask about Hillstone. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, guys, if you've ever needed to figure out your active ingredient, that was like honestly the best answer I've had. So like, there you have it. But now we got to reel it back in and we got to talk about Hillstone. What uh, do we need to know? Oh my God. I mean, it's, I, I will say Hillson was easily like one of the most stressful jobs I've ever had. Like I'll just like lead with that. But I learned so much about, I mean, just like tying, t- tying this conversation. Like I learned so much about valuing people. I learned so much about like, I'm going to use the word hospitality, but not ho- the hospitality industry. I literally mean hospitality, like being hospitable. Um, Y'all, at the end of the day, like, we all want to be seen, heard, and valued. Like, that that's just, like, the, the common thread, however it manifests for us. Like, it's it, it's maybe different, but Hillstone has just done such an amazing job at making people come in and feel like they're home. And you can go to Hillstone in Coral Gables. You can go to Hillstone across the country in California. Like, you're going to feel that. And I think, like, being able to work in that environment again, very stressful because you're, it, you have, there's just like a certain level of performance performance that is like nothing below that is acceptable. And it's unmatched. It's, and it's funny you say that you, I hadn't put these two together, two things together, but you saying that makes a lot of sense to me with soul cycle for you because the Hillstone brand is consistent. The soul cycle brand is consistent. They're both the top of the top. There is there is a team of professionals and they are the best in class at what they do. 
and you were in both. <laughs> so literally worked at Hillstone. Now it's Cycle. Literally my two favorite things in the entire world. Like that. <laughs> and and I think it's 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 also um it you literally just made me have this like a revelation as we're as we're talking, but it's like the the clearer you the clearer you understand why you're doing what you're doing, what you love about what you're doing, the more comfortable you are setting expectations, even if they're unspoken expectations, but setting expectations of the people you work for. Um, and I think while there were many moments of working else that I was like, why am I doing this? It's just a spinach dip. <laughs> why am Extra I crying? Chips coming. Why am I crying? Why am I crying? Uh, we will recook your steak, I promise. But while, while, like, while there were a lot of those moments, I think at the end of the day, like I... I knew that I could walk into work and expect a certain level of professionalism, a per, per, certain level of performance, standard, excellence. Like, And so while I didn't really realize that at that moment, because we're talking about like five, six years ago, it sounds like that's not a long time, but trust me, there has been a lot of growth in those years. <laughs> um, now that I'm at SoulCycle and while I, like, I, again, like I love my job, but it, 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 you get a lot more comfortable just standing for what you need and what you want. Um, and I think it's all, it, I mean, it's all part of, of the journey. Like, I love it. So I always close out the podcast asking what is your literal active ingredient, little lighter question, something that you have to do person. You have to see something you have to eat. Some people have said having to do their bed. Some people have said coffee, the obvious answer, you know, like what's, what's that one thing that keeps you ticking? Celsius. Oh man, no, I, well, that literally keeps you ticking sometimes a little too loud. Like, <laughs> There are some classes that I'm like, I really didn't need that whole Celsius. Like I, <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I, oh gosh, I, I don't know if it's because we just talked about it, but the thing that comes to mind immediately is just like those moments of silence. Like I do not want to fool anyone. I have a lot of noise in my head. I spend a lot of time in self-doubt. I spent a lot of time in woulda, coulda, shoulda, um, so finding those times, which usually happen in my car, like I, I live with someone and my job is with people. So usually it's just like me sitting in a parking lot or when I go on my walks, um, really latching on to those, those periods of time to try my hardest to separate from the noise. Notice that I don't say stop the noise. We can't stop the noise. It's just simply... The monkey there. mind is always going to be the there. The monkey mind is always going to be there. But I think when you force yourself to stare out into the water, when you force yourself to like smile at a cute dog, for a moment in time you are separating from the monkey mind. And I think there's nothing more grounding than just remembering that like you're here right now and like you're okay. Amazing. Are there any resources? I feel like you've done a lot of personal growth and development. Like, are there any, is there anything, I feel like you talk about why a lot. It reminded me of Simon Sinek's book. Why? Yeah. Um, are there any, is there anything, a podcast or something that like you would recommend? Uh, gosh, I, um, love me a good Ted talk. Um, I specifically love Brene Brown. Um, uh. Any just like her talking like the power of vulnerability is one that I honestly often go back to her documentary on Netflix. And now I sound like I'm sponsored by <laughs> Brene Brown, but it's just like, I don't know. I, I think she has an uncanny, canny ability to make a very complex psychological ideas, just very 
simple, like Easy very to accessible. Like, yeah. um, so that's just like some of the, like some of the things that are coming to mind. There is actually a book on like the why, but I can't for the life of me remember the I, title. It's Simon Sinek. I, I'm is, pretty sure, and he's a Lululemon ambassador. Yes. So that okay. Makes sense. So that's it because that's literally yeah, where I, read I it. when you were saying the exercises that you were doing, I was like that really reminds me of Simon's work, and then I was like, oh wait, actually, he also has a TED talk, and um, he has the book called Finding Your Why. Or it's okay, just yes, it says, yes, yes, it's yes, why yes, and yes, red. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. Um, I I think just super helpful. Um. Yeah, I mean, if I think of anything, I'll like definitely shoot it your way so you can share and Amazing. post. But okay, where can everyone find you, guys? I I, I don't want to like overblow up the six thirty a.m. because <laughs> I need my seat there. So like, you're more than welcome to join. However, I need a front seat at Rose class at six thirty in the morning. So don't get any ideas. But where can everyone find you on social at Soul at Camps? What is Camps? So yeah, so I so you can find me on Instagram at this is Rara. Um, this is Rara. Ra. Let's do it. Let's be <laughs> friends. Let's connect. Um, I teach at Soul Cycle. I am there six days a week, um, and I am now starting an adventure, a venture, a, an endeavor. All the things that I'm super excited about with Camps Fit in South Miami. It is think high intensity interval training. Think half the class on a treadmill, half the class on the floor doing like strength work. If you don't want to do the treadmill, you could like stay on the floor the whole time, but like, it's re actually really fun. Um, and it's the same thing, right? It's like the, at least for me, like what you can expect from me. And honestly, from all of the trainers there, like they're so fucking amazing. Like, it's like, it's just fun. It's working out to have fun, moving your body to have breakthroughs, moving your body to just get stronger, not to punish yourself but to celebrate yourself. So I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. This was honestly such a treat. I loved every second of it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at active ingredient. See you next week.